I'm vengeance. Aren't we all? Aren't we all vengeance? Especially in 2022. Yes. Oh my goodness, guys. We're super excited. We got the one and only Hannah Herzik coming on the show to talk about the biggest movie in the world right now, The Batman. Yeah, she mm. talks about the casting process, how she got involved in that, how the difference between being on something that large of a scope and the smaller films that she's been on. May or may not drop some hints about Colin Farrell, yes. Zoe Kravitz, <laughs> Matt Reeves, you know, and what it's like to be stuck in a trunk for eight hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to hear all about it, guys. We're super excited. Man, oh man, if you haven't checked out The Batman yet, it has our ringing endorsement. Yes. Please be sure to do so. But that, that interview is going to be later on the show. Now, here's a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Self Pause, a self affirmation yes. meditation app that helps you start your day, stay motivated, and love yourself. Because you guys know we have been talking about this subject a lot with our guests on the podcast about staying mentally prepared for the entertainment industry and how to do that when preparing yourself for life. So, this app, Self Pause, is definitely a way to keep your mental health on track absolutely and here's the really great thing about it it's available in the app store so you can get it no matter what you got what kind of phone you got or whatever and there's they offer two different tiers there's a free tier and a premium tier now if you're worried about the premium tier guess what you can try it out free for two weeks, 14 days, and then it's only $3.99 after that a month. I mean, to keep your mental stability and to keep positive and keep re- that's worth it. Exactly. Totally worth it. Exactly. You guys need to check this app out. Do it. We do it. We love it. I think you will too. I really think so as well. Selfpause.com and like he said, uh, Google Play and the App Store on iOS, iPhone systems. Yes. But now it is time to get this crazy show started. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're super excited. It is episode 189 this week, one week away from the big 190th, and then 10 away from 200. I just, it's scary how fast 200 is approaching. Like, I, you know, we just interviewed our 160th guest, (laughs) which is just insane. It's crazy. I mean, we are rocking and rolling, y'all, and we've had some fucking brilliant guests we really have including man. this week's exactly. as you heard in the tease i mean oh my gosh man. Uh, so good man we're so good we're so fortunate as well we got to thank everybody who's been able to get crazy with us on inside the crazy ant farm it's For just sure. been such an amazing ride but you guys know your host with the most myself jlo fantastic and the one and only mouth what's up guys there's a lot going down in hollywood and you know we're talking about <laughs> it and man oh man if you follow us on instagram and twitter and if you're not be sure to follow us at crazy ant media and at itcaf podcast but we made a little story and talking about how bob chapik is getting a lot of heat from his decisions with pixar his decisions with the don't say gay bill and all of this different stuff so of course you know it's going to be a little bit more of that but we got other stuff going down in hollywood as well there's more than the shit storm at disney there's like, more wow. oh my goodness like 
Is Warner Media and Discovery going to keep their separate streaming platforms? Mm. We're going to talk about it. We're definitely going to talk about it. But before we get this started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyamedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, <laughs> we got freaking mouse pads, we got phone cases, we got it all. We have something for everyone. Yes. So that's why we are your one stop shop for any of the crazy merchandise. And we're super excited for you guys to check check out all of the merchandise gear that's right but man oh man let's get started with the juggernaut itself disney man uh another week and yet another freaking form of pressure on the ceo bob chapman yes and that increases as the fallout continues from his missteps regarding like i said the florida don't say gay bill a group of disney employees even planned a walkout this past week of an in-person and virtual walkout in response to the company and CEO's bob chapman's handlings of the florida's don't say gay bill now on monday afternoon the twitter account called disney walkout po- yeah they created social media for this thing uh they posted a message explaining that the lgbtqia plus workers and allies at walt disney company are standing in solidarity together over the coming weeks the with the members of the LGBTQ community across the Walt Disney Company. Uh, the statement reads as follows. The recent statements by the Walt Disney Company, uh, TWDC, leadership regarding the Florida's legislator of recent Don't Say Gay Bill have utterly failed to match mm. the magnitude and the threat to the LGBTQIA plus community safely represented by this legislation now organizers wrote that now primarily those statements have uh indicated that leadership still does not truly understand the impact that this legislation is bringing only on the cast or the cast members in the state of florida but all of the united states with this community that is behind it and the company says it's behind it and beyond but you know how that goes uh, yeah. And now, while we certainly appreciate Bob Chappick's apology note that we got last week, but there's still more work that needs to be done in order to regain the trust in this community and its employees. As a community, we have been forced into an impossible and unsustainable position. Now, we must now take action to convince the Walt Disney Company to protect its employees and their families mm. in the face of a much open unapologetic uh, bigotry. So, I mean, there's so much to unravel there. Obviously, the community and the employees are not happy with the situation that's going on. Yeah, no, and if you don't think that they were serious, they most certainly will. They did do the walkout. The account posted the link to a website that's called, and I love this, whereischappic.com. <laughs> there, the group further outlined the details for the scheduled walkouts that started this past Tuesday. The walkouts are going to continue. Uh, they're planned during 15-minute break periods, and they are set to take place daily from 3 p.m. to 3.15 p.m., respective to the employees' time zones. Now, they're going to continue, like I said, through Monday, March 21st. On Tuesday, next Tuesday, March 22nd, organizers have planned a full-scale walkout. Mm. It's unclear how many Disney employees will participate in the protest, either in person or virtually, but they did warn the employees who plan to participate that organizers explained, you are protected to act while on break, 
during the walkouts because that's legal. But for the full-scale walkout, it's not legally protected as an action because you're not legally on break. So you do have to participate uh, at peril. You could be fired if you walk out and it's not a legal break time. So um, they're serious. They're trying to make a movement. And... um, a lot happening. <laughs> I, I I think it's just continued shit for Bob Chappick, and uh, I don't think he can recover from this. I know I've said it a lot, but I just don't think that he can recover. I think if he makes it through his first year, I'll be shocked. Yeah, it's really crazy. And even their bread and butter, Marvel, who's their biggest thing out right now with Disney Plus and with the cinematic universe hitting the theaters, Marvel Studios is starting to separate itself from Disney. Uh, it could be seen as an attempt to uh, you know, separate from the company. Walt Disney Company released a statement denouncing the anti-LGBTQIA legislation. Marvel's official words come after a week of controversy surrounding Disney's lack of public response mm-hmm. against the Florida's Don't Say Gay bill, and the statement reads as followed we strongly denounce any and all legislation that infringes on human rights of the lgbtqia plus community marvel studios statement reads the company shared the announcement on twitter now marvel studios stands for uh hope inclusivity and strength and we are proudly standing with the community Today, we pledge to continue our strong commitment as allies who promote the values of equality and acceptance and respect. So, yeah, they're definitely creating that separation right there, which who can blame them, man? I mean, they're the biggest thing in the world right now when it comes to entertainment, so they can't, they can't tarnish that. And at this point, while when bought by Disney, Marvel was in trouble and they were scooped up. And now they could safely break off from Disney and not have a care in the world. They would be fine. So I get the separation and Disney should be paying attention. They really should. Um, Now, in another too little, too late move, in my opinion, Chappick and the boys responded to the removal of... Um, gay scenes or LGBTQT uh, content in their Pixar films. According to a source close to production, Pixar's next film, Lightyear, starring Chris Evans as the popular character from Toy Story, Buzz Lightyear, does feature a significant female character, Hawthorne, who is in a meaningful relationship with another woman. While the fact of that relationship was never in question at the studio, a kiss between the characters had been cut from the film, as was told in our in our story last week. Now, following that uproar surrounding the Pixar employees' statement and Disney uh, CEO Bob Chappick's handling of not saying anything about the bill, the kiss was all of a sudden reinstated into the movie last week. (laughs) The decision marks a possible major turning point for LGBTQ representation, not just in Pixar films, but in feature animation in general, which has reimagined steadfastly circumspect about depicting same-sex affection in any meaningful light, which is so true. How often do you see any kind of representation from the LGBTQ community in animated films? You don't. That's great. It's awesome. Super pumped it's back in there. I think it was the right move. I'm going to stand by what I said. I think it's too little too late. I think that the people are and the Pixar employees are going to go, hey, Bob, we appreciate that, but still fuck you. Yeah. And <laughs> we're still going to walk out. We're still going to do this stuff. You, you know, it's like 
I don't know. The wound is gaping, and you can't just put a Band-Aid on it. And I feel like Bob is just putting Band-Aids on everything, hoping that the wound will go away. Yeah. And it's not going to go away. It's really not. A lot of people, even the employees, I have never seen anything like this before when it comes to the employees, you know, doing these walkouts, especially at the multimedia conglomerate, which is Disney, which everybody knows and loves. But when you have your captain of the ship at the helm making these type of decisions and not standing against this hate, I think it's uh, costing them quite heavily. So it's very unfortunate. But I think they might have strategized this. But then again, Marvel trying to separate. So this next story is, you know, kind of a back and forth. Did they strategize to try to release this trailer in this time to try to take off the backlash? Or were they trying <laughs> to you know just stick to schedule but you guys know in 2013 marvel comics made history when it introduced kamala khan a pakistani american teenager from new jersey who gained superhuman abilities and her own superhero moniker miss marvel making her first ever muslim superhero uh, appearance to headline a marvel comic nine years later Kamala is making history once again in Miss Marvel's the latest Disney Plus series from Marvel Studios. Uh, the newcomer Iman Vijali, oh, I'm so bad. I know. <laughs> I'd I'm, say Vilani. Vilani uh, won the title role after an extensive search by Marvel Studios. And this past week, the first trailer for Miss Marvel debuted. We were super pumped about oh it. My gosh, I thought yeah. it was amazing. Um, and set to, uh, to the weekend Blinding Lights, which everybody knows and loves that song. The trailer kicks off with Kamala in the high school guidance counselor's office while doodles of speech bubbles, hearts, and devil horns pop up on screen, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, she is branded as the typical uh, daydreaming superhero slash nerd and all these amazing things. But at the at some point, she gets a strange cosmic powers, like the ability to launch energy blasts and create glowing stepping stones to walk on air, which is super badass to see in this trailer. Later on in the trailer, uh, she gets comic-accurate red and blue costume and throws some cosmic punches with a giant and glowing fist. Now, the series is set to debut on June 8th, and we're super excited about it. Be sure to mark your calendars, and I think this one is a great teenage angst superhero series oh yeah and again it's different from any of the other marvel series that's what i really like that marvel is doing with these tv series they're all different they're like you there's no because i mean how many times have we heard formulaic 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 they're all the same but these tv shows you cannot put that critique on there because they're all so drastically different in tone and 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 i mean it's amazing and i'll tell you what kudos also because feige and the guys like to keep it in the family Speaking of Miss Marvel, Anjali Bahimini has joined the cast of the upcoming series in a recurring role. Details regarding her character are still under wraps, of but course. you guys might remember Bahimini's small screen, small screen credits include Marvel's Runaways. So keeping it tight in the Marvel family and bringing her on board for the new show, clearly not going to play the character that she played in Runaways, yeah. but hey, she's also been on Station 19, Grace and Frankie, and Modern Family, but she's probably best known to our social media manager and a whole bunch of 
you others out there for the gaming and animation audiences for her fan favorite roles in Overwatch and Apex Legends. So there you go. I Two mean, that's games. exciting. That's exciting. It is, man. It is. I mean, there's a lot of different things happening, which some are interesting, some are not. Especially this next one, which is very interesting, and I don't know how they're going to attack this, but it's exciting for all you old heads out there. Okie dokie. Um, Christopher Lloyd <laughs> yes. is joining the Star Wars universe in The Mandalorian Season 3. The role is billed as a guest-starring one, uh, with production for Season 3 taking place here in Southern California, or there in Southern California. <laughs> right. uh, no details as of who Lloyd is going to be playing, or but, you know... It's just very interesting. Where where is this gonna? Where is he gonna fall into? I feel like you know he's got so many different talents and different aspects of his life. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they use him in the Mandalorian. I mean, come on, this guy. Whether you know him as Jim Ignatowski from Taxi, or you know him as Doc Brown from Back to the Future, or you know him from uh, his animated series. My daughter knows him from what was the fucking name of that math series or whatever. He did some like she knows. She would tell you right now if she was here. But anyway, he's known to generations of of people, and I think it's a smart move. People love him, and it is going to be interesting to see who he plays. Is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? Right? Is he like? the former lover of that chick that builds his ships. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, that'd be interesting. That would be hilarious. He just pops in, you know. Hey, how you doing? I don't know. Uh, hey. Great Scott. That's, <laughs> exactly. Marty shows up in the Back to the Future car like, what the fuck? Where am I now? That would be actually pretty hilarious. And you know with John Favreau and Dave, there will be a shout out to those characters. There has there, to there be. Has to be. Um, now, there is some controversy with old John and Dave, though. Apparently, they uh, pulled some power and made some changes in the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Now, Obi-Wan Kenobi will include plenty of familiar faces when it debuts May 25th, but one Star Wars fan favorite will be noticeably absent, Darth Maul. Mm. The chief antagonist of Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi, who first appeared in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, is not expected to appear in the series. But here's the thing. He was. In fact, he was the main bad guy. <laughs> but sources say not only was the Sith Lord initially slated to return to the live-action Disney Plus series as the key villain, Ray Park was also in active negotiations to reprise the role as Darth Maul. That, however, was before the scenes were scrapped amid a creative overhaul that ultimately saw other antagonists, including Darth Vader, added to the show. Now, here's how it went down, apparently. A Lucasfilm source con contradicted the account, saying Maul was never intended to return to the series, but we have heard from inside sources that apparently Favreau and Fialoni saw the script for Obi-Wan Kenobi and started freaking out that it was a little bit too similar with Obi-Wan mentoring a young Luke Skywalker and kind of going through the phase, and they're like, shit, that's a whole lot like Mando and Baby Yoda, and we can't have that. So they scrapped it. They were like, they apparently said, we're not okay with this. You guys need to change this shit up, to which Dave said, hey, how about the Grand Inquisitor? Which, of course, reports to Vader, which means Vader's in, <laughs> and Maul is out. 
that's what we hear went down, and that's how the changes happened. And sorry, Ray Park, and anybody yeah. who was hoping for Darth Maul. Yeah, it's very but, interesting because I don't remember if it was either in the original Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels, but they used that Obi-Wan, Darth Maul returning storyline. So, But with the whole Mandalorian thing, I could understand them not using that. But, I mean, going back to source material is also a really great thing. But uh, I, I guess they just really couldn't get their legs on the ground when it came to dark mall and all you star wars people you get that joke because he got sliced in half that's right uh, um, there you could totally is. do an x-men joke too he was toad he was toad i mean yeah. so legs on the ground bouncing all right yeah you could do so many other- so ray park many. is such a talented guy right. dude we're sorry bro we're sorry come talk to us come on the show exactly I mean, that would be fucking epic <laughs> uh, abc's breakout hit uh comedy about elementary has been renewed for season two now this one has become abc's top rated new comedy and two years among adults between 18 and 49 currently ranks at as a season's number one in the comedy in that demographic so yeah. kudos to them yeah i mean it's rocking and rolling it seems like every week we're talking about that show so for sure okay now this one i just don't even get you guys saw the the, the big finale of the bachelor right and he kind of left two girls just like totally heartbroken yeah they were just, it was awful right and we know the whole gist you know normally the person that he chooses or doesn't choose I guess the runner-up always becomes the bachelorette on the next season. You know, that's how that kind of thing goes. But he left two brokenhearted, though, two. So ABC's picked not one, but both of those girls for its next season of The Bachelorette, making history a franchise first. Both Gabby and Rachel will co-star in The Bachelorette season 19, which will air this upcoming summer, premiering on July 11th with, of course, host Jesse Palmer returning. Now, ABC has not provided details as to exactly how that's going to work with the two leading ladies, other than saying in a press release that Wendy and Richie will stand by each other's sides yet again as they set out on a journey to find love. Mm. Mm. Very interesting. I, I mean... All I know is old boy did pretty well enough as the host where they're bringing him back for The Bachelorette. Facts. So, I mean, good for him. Good for him. But, you know... I'm surprised this thing's still on, hey. but it's it's got a huge cult following that it does. I just do not understand. It's it just, probably because, you know, our junk, that's but, right. you know. Uh, now, Chris Sullivan is set to star in ABC's comedy pilot, The Son-in-Law. Now, Sullivan it will star in the single cam comedy as Jake, and he is a divorced dad with a 21-year-old daughter, so he's a little bit older. <laughs> uh, Jake never thought he would love ever again until Asia coming along and the problem is that jake is a hard-working plumbing contractor <laughs> and he is you know middle class while asia hails from the eloquent uber wealthy south asian royalty mm. uh, polar opposites if you ask me now jake wants to marry her and while he still needs to ask her father for the blessing the real stumbling block is her love uh being under control by her mother mm. so i mean you're completely missing that aspect uh who doesn't hide her feelings about jake being all wrong for her daughter so man oh man that one's gonna sound interesting i'm just <laughs> thrilled because long has toby been one of my favorite characters on this is us yeah so the idea that chris sullivan is getting his own show as a lead is fucking fantastic he deserves it oh i mean i hope he does some singing on there too For because sure. you know he's got an album and he's a singer so maybe he's a singing plumber that'd be fucking fantastic right just put you can use that 
Use it. Use it. Use it. I want you. Hey, remember that show about the National Park Service that Kevin Costner was behind, and he was going to bring it, and he was going to star and executive produce, and then ABC said, meh, we're passing. Well, guess what? They weren't passing on the show, (laughs) apparently. Just Kevin Costner. ABC has ordered a new pilot for the drama about the National Park's investigative services branch. The broadcaster commissioned a pilot for the project last year, as we just told you, with a different creative team, though ultimately, again, they decided to pass. Now, the original team, like I said, did include Kevin Costner as the co-writer and executive producer, but this new one, Costner's nowhere attached in any capacity in any way to the project. What that means, why that happened, why, we don't know. I'm sure it had nothing to do with Kevin. But, you know, ABC is ABC. Could it just probably just another misstep by Chappie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's just rack it up to blame that. Blame Chappie for everything. Exactly. <laughs> you don't, you're mad that Costner's not involved? Blame Chappie. Where is Chappie? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hashtag. Now heading over to Fox. When 911 Season yes. 5 returns from hiatus on Monday, it's going to reunite uh, with its spinoff of 911 Lone Star in a back-to-back time slot. Yes. Now leading lady Angela Bassett will be pulling double duty as her character Sergeant Athena Grant appears on the Fox first responder drama as a the brief crossover appearance on the Lone Star. Uh, the story will start on Lone Star where there is a swatting incident and somebody is killed. Carlos, who is Rafael Silvia, and Grace, who is Sierra McLean, uh, feel personally affronted because they were used to are used as weapons i should Mm -hmm. say uh they are trying to figure out where the swatting is coming from and they trace it all the way back to los angeles which of course (laughs) they keep swatting that's right that's uh, right i mean if you guys don't know that's a dangerous thing swatting is like where somebody reports a crime and they order the swat team out to the location and this happens a lot and a People get killed because SWAT team goes in there with guns a-blazing and, exactly. and innocent people get killed because it wasn't a real crime scene happening. And I, I love that they're they're doing that into a story because it happens way more frequently than people realize. To. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm excited about this one too. Oscar winner Marley Maitland, who you can totally catch right now in Coda, which we think should be the fucking best picture winner. But uh, she's getting ready to make her directorial debut in an episode of Fox's new anthology drama series, Accused. Maitland will direct an episode which features a deaf woman who becomes a surrogate and commits a crime of advocacy and protection. Now, Accused, as we told you last week, features a different cast each episode. And as we previously told you, Michael Chiklis, the man himself, is set to star in the premiere episode. I'm really excited about this show. I think it's going to be fantastic. And I love Marley Maitland. Yeah, she's I mean, awesome. She's awesome. So. Okay, super excited. Super oh, yeah. excited. Hopping over to the Bunny Warner Media. AT&T announced that Samuel D. Piazza Jr. will serve <laughs> as the chairman of Warner Brothers Discovery following the close of the deal to combine the two media companies. Now, Samuel, uh, previously global CEO of Price Waterhouse Coppers, Coopers. Yep. From 2002 until his retirement in 2009, he spent 36 years working at that company. Now, uh, the Warner Brothers Discovery Board of Directors initially will compromise, uh, comprise of 13 members, seven appointed by AT&T and six by Discovery. Now, this is very interesting because, again, this is not 
a media company. Where yeah. did this guy come from? I mean, Price Waterhouse like is in a, a huge accounting firm. If anybody doesn't know, and you recognize the name because they're the guys holding the briefcases at the Oscars. Yeah, and that's about as close as they get to entertainment. I don't know. I don't understand this guy's like. Why is he on the board of Warner Brothers Discovery? I I don't know. Oh, uh, that will flip by the way. The seven from AT and T that wills. I I I from what I understand, that's just uh, a short term type thing, and eventually. Oh. The AT&T people will be kind of phased out and replaced by Discovery Warner Brothers people. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I guess it was just early deal. So now we know it's happening, right? We know it's happening in April. Apparently now we're getting board members. Uh, All of it's kind of going down. Real questions are starting to come in play because of all that content, including the thing that's the big thing right now that all these entertainment conglomerates are focused on right now, streamers, right? Well, Discovery obviously has Discovery Plus. They're streaming. And we know HBO, uh, I mean, Warner Media has HBO and HBO Max, which are kind of a combined streaming service. Basically. So, what's going to happen? Are like, do, do you still have HBO and HBO Max? Do you still have Discovery Plus? Or is it going to be some like merge type thing? Well, when Discovery's merger with ATT's Warner Media closes, the company's confirmed its plans to, are you ready? combine its current streaming service, Disney Plus, and Warner Media's HBO Max into one service rather than offer the two platforms as a bundle. I think that's a mistake. Discovery Chief Financial Officer Gunnar Widensfell, who will also serve as the Chief Financial Officer of the newly combined Warner Brothers Discovery, said that Discovery is making preparations to combine the two streamers, making the first time the company has actually revealed any of its plans post-merger for Discovery Plus or HBO Max amid speculation that they could remain solo with a bundling option. Well, they shot that down. Discovery Plus currently costs $4.99 a month with ads, $6.99 without, and accounts for the bulk of Discovery's streaming subtotal, which company reported to be about 22 million worldwide subscribers. Mm. For HBO Max and HBO last year ended with a combined 73.8 million global subscribers. So that's the good news. You add that up, that's almost 100 million, which puts them on par with Disney and Netflix, right? Getting them up there. HBO Max is priced at $9.99 per month with ads and $14.99 a month without ads. On this past Monday, Gunner did not give guidance regarding how much the combined streaming platform would cost consumers, though he did note Warner Brothers Discovery will introduce both ad-free and ad-light products. Um, They're already one of the most expensive platforms, HBO Max. If you're going to combine them, and then even cut the price just a little bit, it's still, in my opinion, going to be the most expensive uh, streamer. And I just don't think that's a good idea. I think they should have gone like the Disney Plus Hulu route and just done the bundle. Yeah, completely agree. And I mean, I think, you know, because I personally believe HBO Max is my favorite streaming service. And I personally believe that sometimes they just don't want to succeed man i'm just saying like as we go back to previous shows warner brothers get your shit together like it would just make much more sense this is a completely underrated streaming service i mean come on you got euphoria on there same day you now got winning time the lakers uh hbo max show and hbo show but i mean i just don't understand why combining him is such a big thing and i mean let's be honest about it we haven't really heard a lot about discovery plus's numbers so that's the thing that worries me a lot i mean they say that they have this amount of numbers but 
How many people? How many daily visits do these people watch? How many hour or how many minutes do these people watch? You know, I don't, I don't know. I just don't think it's a good idea. I'm with you. I just think they should have went the bundle route because it's definitely paying off with um, Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN Plus. So. And how's it going to affect like content? Because as we know, Discovery owns own. <laughs> No pun intended there. <laughs> Discovery owns own, which has taken over All Rise, which is a CBS production and is currently on their streamer, but will own try to stream that on this new combined service underneath the Discovery Plus. I mean, it's it's going to be really so confusing. Much. And who wants to have to flip through like 9,000 pages to find your content? Yeah. Because you have so much shit. Just, I don't know. It's I know. A it's idea. a lot, man. It's a lot. Well... The trailer dropped a couple weeks ago, and we're talking about Elvis, uh, Baz Luhrmann's drama of the rock and roll legend, <laughs> Austin Butler from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and the one and only Tom Hanks, America's Dad, will world premiere at the Cannes Film Festival this year. Now, the movie has a June 24th release date, which means it could or it couldn't open the festivals unless Warner Brothers Pictures decides it will have to uh, bow on May 17th to kick off the milestone 75th edition. Now, Khan's introduced new rules several years ago that require every opening night movie to be released on the same day in French theaters. Because, you know. But that's going to be very interesting. I will finally get to see what all these critics and people think about it because, you know, it's a very emo-looking Elvis. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm just saying. It is. I think it'll fit right in at cons, though. Yeah. Uh, Tick Tick Boom star Alexandra Ship, a.k.a. Storm from the X-Men movies, has joined Warner Brothers' live-action Barbie film from Oscar-nominated director Greta Gerwig, of course starring Margot Robbie as Barbie and Gosling, Ryan Gosling as Ken. Ship's role, currently unknown. Of course it is. I mean, she's going to be a friend of Barbie. Like, yeah. we know that much. Can figure that out. You know. <laughs> so freaking funny. Well, are you guys loving True Detective? Have you ever loved True Detective? Well, you should. Because HBO Max and HBO <laughs> are working on a fourth iteration of the one, the only True Detective. Uh, the network is developing a new take on the crime drama, tentatively titled True Detective Night Country. Oh. Uh, from Isa Lopez and Barry Jenkins, Lopez will write and executive produce and direct the pilot, and Jenkins is executive producing via his collective Pastel alongside Adele Romanski and uh, Mark Keurig. Hmm. Now, the plot largely is being kept under wraps, of course, of course uh, but sources say that it would take place in the Arctic where night can last more than 24 hours. It also is believed that a season could feature two fem female leads, which is very exciting. Uh, no casting is confirmed yet, but you know, a lot of people like the past iteration, so maybe they'll like this new one as well. Yeah, so. apparently this is they've been trying to get this fourth version of it off the ground for a while and just has not worked. So maybe this one will. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I like the idea of two female leads though. Good I do for too. Them. Super excited about this one too, because as you guys know, we are huge fans of Ming Na Win and she is just a gem and we love her. And guess what? You're gonna be able to see her. Because she's everywhere, so everywhere. why wouldn't she be in here? Hacks, which is expected to return for its second season later this spring on HBO Max, has added Lori Metcalf, Martha Kelly, and Miss Ming-Na Wen herself as recurring guest stars this season. Also appearing as a guest star is comedian Margaret Cho. Now, HBO's being mum on whether Cho will actually play herself as a fellow comedian or another character on the show. 
The streamers also being quiet about character descriptions for Metcalf, Kelly, and Wynn. Of, of course. course they are, because everything's <laughs> under wraps. Exactly, man. Exactly. Makes so much sense. But we're super excited about this next one because she was an absolute gem. We had her on our show. She is one of our favorites. And, yes. of course, we're talking about Catherine McNamara. And she is set to be a female lead opposite of Matt Barr in CW's Walker prequel spinoff, Walker Independence. We told you guys about this one last week. Yep. Executive produced by Jared Padalecki, the man who myth the legend himself. Uh, Felman Chambers is the series regular. McNamara will portray Abby Walker, the ancestor of Walker's Cordell Walker, who is played by Padalecki. Uh, from the late 1800s, Chambers will play August Gus as a striking black man with Ooh. eyes filled with a world of experience. Gus is the deputy sheriff in Independence, polite, careful, even-tempered, and generally willing to help. He's not giving out his opinion of the new boss, though, Tom Davidson, to anyone. (laughs) So we're super excited about that because she has the talent and deserves to be the leading lady in a show. So I'm pumped. Yeah, I mean, and I hope – clearly now we know Abby is going to kick ass. Yeah, exactly. Because we also know Catherine McNamara and every show possible kicks ass. I'm the only sad thing about it is I kind of it means Green Arrow and the Canaries is not going to happen. And I'm yeah. Like, mm. yeah I don't hey, think it's going to. are you ready to go back to the danger zone? Well, cons is because Top Gun Maverick is getting a special screening at the Cannes Film Festival. The Top Gun sequel will screen during the French Fest, which, as we told you, celebrates its 75th anniversary this year. Cruise's long-awaited return to the cockpit as hotshot pilot Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell was likewise delayed by the pandemic, like the festival was, which pushed the movie's plan and release date several times. The film is now set to hit theaters on May 27th, which means it will premiere the day before the last day of the film festival, which runs from the 17th to May 28th. So that's cool. I mean, they love him over there. He's huge. And I, I think everybody's been waiting for that movie forever. So to like debut it there is going to kick ass. I agree, man. I agree. Uh, Sarah Gilbert is set to join the ensemble cast of Paramount Pictures 80 for Brady, uh, starring Lily Tomlin and Oscar winners Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Sarah uh, Sally Field. Yes. Gilbert is currently starring in the fourth season of The Connors right now, which she also uh, executive produces. So why not just add another thing on the plate? I mean, why not, right? You know, if you're a badass, you can handle it. I mean, so now producing is clearly just the money because he's unretired, so I don't know how involved he's actually going to be in the movie, but hey, you know. Hey, two-time Oscar winner Diane Weist is set to join Apartment 7A, a new thriller from Paramount Pictures. John Krasinski and Allison Seeger are producing via their Sunday night, along with Michael Bay, Andrew Form, and Brad Fuller via their Platinum Dunes. Plot details are being kept under wraps, but it's being described as a psychological thriller. It is also unknown who Weist will be playing. Oh. Well, one thing's for certain. If Krasinski is involved, it will be awesome. Facts. And if Bay is involved, shit will blow up. Facts. <laughs> I mean, so there's two things we can definitively know about the film. Exactly, right there. <laughs> I mean, you can check those off the list. Oh, man. Well, not only is this man in high demand on ABC, but he's also in high demand on CBS. Yeah. We're talking about Skylar Aston, who is, like I said, in high demand and staying very busy. Last week we told you that he joined ABC's Grey's Anatomy for a recurring role, and now we can confirm that he has also been tapped as the lead uh, role opposite of Gina Davis and CBS's mother and son legal drama pilot that we also told you about on last week's show. Uh, Aston will play Todd, the talented and directionless 
uh, private investigator who is the black sheep of his family. Despite their opposing personalities, he agrees to work as an in-house investigator for his overbearing mother, who's played by Davis, of course, uh, a successful attorney reeling from the recent dilution uh, of her marriage. Mm. So a lot of stuff happened. I wonder if there's going to be anger there because, like, what if he's on his dad's side about that shit? So, right? Like, I, I don't know. And, and this is interesting to me because I – and. Call me out if I'm wrong. Send your comments, uh, you know, shoot at me. But I don't think I can recall anything where Skylar Aston has ever been, like, a douchebag or a bad guy. Right. Like, so for him to be kind of playing the black sheep of the family and this, like, you know, controversial guy with his mom, I'm excited to see him play that. I am, too. I hope he just sings during both of these shows. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's got a great voice. He's got he a does. great freaking voice, man. I'm he super freaking pumped does. for him. Though. Well, this one, I'm kind of sort of pumped and then not pumped because I do love Whitney Houston. I was a huge fan. One of the first concerts I ever saw when I was young. So I'm, but also let her rest in peace. Entertainment tonight will release never before seen footage, apparently of the late Whitney Houston in their new CBS special, Whitney, a look back. Mm. It's set to air April 2nd at 8 PM on CBS and will be available to stream the next day on Paramount plus now entertainment tonight, which is also producing the special will release the footage from its vault in addition to new interviews with stars including Dionne Warwick, who's Whitney's aunt for anybody that doesn't know, Clive Davis, who discovered Whitney Houston, who if anybody doesn't know, Cece Winans, who's also related to her, uh, Monica and Kelly Price. Airing shortly after the 10th anniversary of the singer's death on February 11th. God damn, 10 years already? Right. The special will explore the days leading up to and following the tragic day in 2012. The announcement of Whitney A Look Back comes as the singer's estate has seen its earnings quadruple over the last three years, ever since Primary Wave Music took control of half of Houston's assets in 2019. Oh. So this is a money grab. Let's yeah. just be honest about it. They're seeing a rise in price, so it's a money grab. Well, was she the same artist that they were going to go on uh, tour with the hologram and yeah. shit. And so, yeah. I mean, her estate, man, I mean, they're just, they're doing a lot of crazy stuff. Right I now. just, you know, it and sucks. I mean, who, it sucks. for who? Yeah. For who? That's the question because the daughter's dead too. Yeah. Right? Like, is this all going to Bobby? Like, I, I don't know. Like, why? Exactly. Just, Does he know. have any sort of say? Like, I, would, I, I certainly hope not. That's yeah. my opinion. I it, hope not. There's a lot happening, man. There's a lot happening. <laughs> well, there's a lot happening in the Star Trek universe Uh-oh. as well. A lot of good stuff. Uh-oh. Star Trek Strange New Worlds has cast Paul Weasley in the iconic role of James T. Kirk for Paramount Plus's show upcoming the second season strange new worlds is due to premiere on paramount plus on may 5th not may 4th uh it was <laughs> renewed for the second season back in january with that the season was already in production uh the show follows the adventures of captain christopher pike prior to kirk becoming the captain of the enterprise weasley will appear as the young version of kirk he is now the third actor to play the character in a live action project most famously of course william shatner mm-hmm. playing kirk in the original star Trek series as well as in multiple films chris pine has also played kirk in three star trek films to date with four with the fourth on the way now you're a big fan how how do you feel about this cast uh you know i i will find out yeah. like i am a huge fan of the original i didn't hate chris pine playing kirk but you know i'm 
I'm a Shatner guy. Yeah. Uh, and I was very cool. Shatner did tweet at Paul and say, congratulations, keep my ship safe. Nice. <laughs> Which, you know, if you get the nod from Kirk himself, then you're okay. I right. think you're going to be all right. Hey, are you guys excited about this one? Because it's long been talked about. Will it, won't it, will it, won't it? Well, apparently it is. They dropped the trailer for it and everything, and we've got all kinds of news. We're jumping to NBC Universal now. Selma Hayek is set to reprise the role of Kitty Softpaws in Universal's long-awaited Puss in Boots sequel, The Last Wish, reteaming with, of course, Antonio Banderas, who plays Poos, who plays the Poos. <laughs> Hayek and Banderas will contend with a third amigo this time around, though, as Harvey Gillian makes his franchise debut in the role of Pero, Kitty and Puss's canine associate. Oh, they're adding a dog to the mix. Uh-oh. Also part of the A-list ensemble is Florence Pugh. That's going to be awesome. Olivia Coleman. I think Florence Pugh I read is playing Cinderella. Nice. That's going to be interesting. That'd be cool. Uh, Olivia Coleman, Wagner Mora, Ray Winstone, and John Mulaney. The Last Wish follows the daring outlaw Puss in Boots as he discovers that his passion for peril and disregard for safety have finally taken their toll. Mm. Oh, Oh. Very interesting. That sounds like a tragic ending. Oh, for oh, sure. Oh. Yeah, that's oh. saying. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. But he has nine lives, so we'll see. That's right. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> this next one's very exciting because I was a huge fan of The Young Rock. It did really well the first mm-hmm. season. Um, Sean Astin is joining Dwayne's The Young Rock for season two in the role of The Rock's childhood nemesis. Ooh. A recurring guest star for the NBC comedy's upcoming second season, Astin will play Dr. Julian Acho. Uh, in Echo, in the show's fast forwards, Doctor Echo, uh, who had run in with Dwayne as a kid, is now a chiropractor from Minnesota <laughs> who holds a grudge. He appears two weeks before election day, claiming that Dwayne tried to kill him. Damn! Oh, uh, a revelation that threatens to derail Johnson's p- uh, presidential run campaign. So we're super interested in that because the trailer implies that he did not win the mm. presidency. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, if you're a new Amsterdam fan, though, sad news for you. Yeah, you guys know it's currently airing its 22 episode fourth season, but it will end after season. The fifth season will be shortened, here's even more bad news, to only 13 episodes. The medical drama, of course, we told you, landed a three-season renewal back in 2020. The season four finale is set to air May 24th, so... Buckle in, kids. You're getting one more with 13 episodes, and then it's out of there. Yeah, have fun with that. I mean, I'm not surprised. You got fucking Grays and the Resident and Good. Doctors. I mean, there's 5,000 medical dramas on the air, so you know some of them can't survive. It's what it is. Uh, girls, Five Eva is coming back for its second season, and the girls have a new album with a little help from their record label owned by the Property Brothers. Uh, they will be joined this season by Amy Shirtis and Neil Flynn. Who have signed up to play the parents of Busy Phillips Summer. Um, Now, the first season saw a few ups, a few downs, as they struggled to get back in their place as on the A-list chart. Uh, The second season sees the Barrelli's Dawn, uh, Elise Goldsberg's Wiki, and Pella Gloria's and Phillips' Summer enter album mode Mm. and embark on making their first studio album on their own terms. Now, the second season is set to launch on May 5th. Peacock will debut three episodes at launch and Mm. will then release them weekly, as all the other streamers are doing. The first season of the show had all eight episodes dropped in one go. So, I mean, you know, they're probably 
Peacock is seeing how everybody else is doing it and just falling in line. So makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised. I didn't I didn't know what to expect from this show, but I've watched it and I think it's actually really fucking funny. And nice. I'm glad that it was a surprise hit for the Peacock. They needed it, for sure. you know. So good good for them. And I'm a huge fan of Busy. So you rock it, girl. This one because <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the original, and I don't think sometimes you should touch originals. And this one might be one of those. And I love Selena Gomez, which makes it. More more hard and controversial for me. Yeah. Selena Gomez, Tanya Siracho, and Gabriella Ravilla Lugo are teaming up to do that. Was fucking good. That was good. I rolled that shit really well right there. Are teaming up to develop a TV comedy spin on. Are you ready? John Hughes's beloved 1984 coming of age film, Sixteen Candles. Uh. That's right, Anthony Michael Hall. You remember it? Oh my gosh, it was. Uh, it's titled. 15 Candles. Grab one, take off. Yeah, yeah. The half-hour series will follow four young Latinas in high school navigating feelings of invisibility while exploring what it means to leave child behind as the quinceanera season approaches. The series is set to air on Peacock. But if it doesn't have Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald at least make appearances, yeah, come on now. huge fail. Exactly. But I don't know. I'm just I'm nervous about yeah, this one. Exactly. I, I am too. Besides, what's Molly doing now? What's Molly doing Exactly. Now? <laughs> like, they both could be on there. Like, come on. Good. Uh, Sony, Sony, that is not any Marvel news. By I the know way. what. Um, the Bullet Train, you guys know the Brad Pitt one is on the move. The Brad Pitt action pick is moving back two weeks from July fifteenth oh. to July 29th. The slot that opened up when uh, Black Adam, Dwayne the Rock Johnson's, moved to the fall. Now the move gives Bullet Train a little breathing room behind uh, Disney's Thor: Love and Thunder. Mm. I should say Marvel's Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, which hits theaters July. <laughs> separation yeah keep that separation and mm-hmm. it's new july 29th slot bullet train will battle two other wide openers mm. and we're talking about focus features horror thriller uh vengeance and uh paramount uh paramount tunes pause of fury the legend of hank oh. i'm sure it'll be fine like i mean come on now it's brad pitt Mm. I, it, this one looks funny. I mean, yeah, it no, looks it's, it's, interesting, I should say. Funny, interesting, kind of like a Quentin Tarantino thing. Hi, buddy. If you're watching the YouTube video, <laughs> you see Peanut. Hey, Peanut. And this is why you guys got to watch the did YouTube video. Did you finally video. wake up after your big old love fest outside on your walk, and He's buddy? like, yes, I did. Yes. yes I All did. right. Switching to MGM, which we won't be able to say for very much longer because it's going bye-bye. What yes, am sir. I talking about? Well, after what seems like years of it's for sale, it's not for sale. It's for sale, it's not for sale. Now it's a done deal. MGM and Amazon announced this week that the $8.5 billion acquisition deal has closed. The storied, nearly century-old studio, MGM, with more than 4,000 film titles, 17,000 TV episodes, 180 Academy Awards, and 100 Emmy Awards, is now part of Jeff Bezos' little click of family. Amazon! Amazon Studios and streaming service Prime Video are led by Amazon's Mike Hopkins. Now, no news on management structure in terms of how the two studios will fit together. An Amazon spokesperson did say that the digital giant is planning to make offers and welcome all of MGM's current employees. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Because you know, so many times with these big mergers, there's not places for two of the same positions, and they get rid of them. So that's good to see. Not much else has been revealed about Amazon's plans for the newly acquired studio, but here's what we do know. They did say this. In terms of production, 
Amazon says it's excited by MGM's slate of projects and doesn't anticipate changes or uh, in release dates or on any of the projects that are uh, currently in progress. On theatrical, Amazon intends to continue supporting theatrical release of movies, not as a one-size-fits-all proposition, though, but something to be determined case by case. Because as we know, Amazon has had success with having it stream on Prime and also being released in the theater. So we'll see how that plays out. Amazon is not planning to make all MGM content exclusive to Prime Video. There's a reason why they can't do that. We talked about it before. That's because Warner still owns some of MGM's content. Um, And this is the big one. This is the one everybody was worried about. What the fuck's going to happen? Because it's the money cow of MGM. We're, of course, talking about James Bond. Yes. Yes. Well, apparently... Amazon says there are currently no plans to make any changes to the Bond franchise whatsoever. That means we're going to get an old white guy. Uh, of course. I, mean, <laughs> I was kind of hoping to read that they were going to finally make some changes to the Bond franchise and put Idris Elba in the spot or a woman in the spot or anything. It's disheartening to hear that they are currently not. I think it would be really epic for them to – have James Bond become like a TV series. Put it yeah, out. There as, is rumors about that. Yeah, yeah. So I think that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. But we'll see, man. We'll see. Heading over to the streaming juggernaut, Netflix. Uh, Netflix will soon launch a, a test letting uh, primary account holders pay additional fees for users outside of their household. <laughs> and now in an attempt to buy the company to address illicit password sharing, the test will launch in three countries. Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru. Uh, Netflix will let members who share their accounts with people outside of their households do so easily and securely, while also paying a little bit more. The new options will roll out in the next few weeks in the three countries and may or may not expand beyond those markets. I know they're trying to figure that all out, but let's be honest about it. In my opinion, like coming from a business standpoint, I get it. But coming from a consumer standpoint, it's my account. I paid for it. I should be able to give it whoever I want to. Here's the thing, though. I got to be honest with you. It doesn't even need to be a lot. If you look at the amount of subscribers that Netflix has, right? Like 100 million plus, right? And we know, let's let's just be honest about it, fucking 70% of those people are fucking sharing that password. For sure. They're letting people. So if you just charge 50 cents, just add 50 cents to the people that they're doing it, you would make a fucking fortune. Yeah. You don't have to be stupid with this thing and say, oh, you've got to pay five additional dollars for everybody you're sharing it with. 50 fucking cents would equate to hundreds of millions of dollars more profit for them. I just think be smart about it if you're going to do it. If you're not, don't fucking do it. Yeah, That's- I'm thinking about it in the sense of a phone plan. How many people do you know that sure, share the same yeah. phone plan that don't live in the same house? Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, you know. It just... It, you know what it is, though? They addressed it. They said they're doing it because... They're, they're stifling new subscribers. Yeah. Their numbers are dwindling. All their competitors' numbers are rising, and they're like, well, we're not getting new subscribers because they're fucking sharing accounts. Yeah. Like, you know, so... <laughs> well, and it would be cool, too, if they were to implement, like, that little additional charge and account for those additional people. Like, say, oh, yeah, I do have this extra person who is on my account that is in a different household, but you can count me as a subscriber and them as a subscriber. Yeah. So that would help. Yeah, and they say that they're... The, the missing subscribers are like costing them in money to 
do new content. Yeah. But I'm telling you, 50 cents from yeah. how many fucking people that are like sharing passwords? You'd make millions. You'd make millions and be able to buy content or make content. So, you know, be smart about it, Reed. Exactly. Be smart about it. Hey, this one sounds really good. We've been talking about this film and Bradley Cooper all in. He's fucking brilliant. He's a great director. He's a great star. So it's going to be awesome. Matt Bomer, fucking fantastic. Negative man on Doom Patrol right now. As you guys know, he was on The Last Tycoon. Brilliant actor himself. Well, he's going to be playing one of Leonard Bernstein's lovers in Bradley Cooper's upcoming Netflix biopic about the late music giant. Now, multiple sources have confirmed the casting opposite Cooper, who stars as the West Side Story composer. Composer, I mean, sorry, Cooper also wrote the screenplay and directs, making it his follow-up to the Oscar-winning A Star is Born. Now, Bernstein, who died in 1990 at the age of 72, was married to artist Felicia Montalagre, and they had three children together. However, it was revealed after Bernstein's death that his wife acknowledged that he was gay and had sexual relationships with men over many, many years. Bomer's character is a clarinet player with whom Bernstein had a brief relationship. Oh, wow. So, there you go. Yeah, for sure, man. That's That's, a lot to unravel. It's going to be an interesting movie. Right. Well, one of Netflix's bread and butters is The Umbrella Academy, and the third season is coming back, and it's going to premiere on June 22nd. It has also dropped the first look images Mm. of the cast of season three's teaser, which follows The Umbrella Academy face-to-face with their new counterpart, The Sparrow Academy. Uh, After going back in time to 1963 and saving the world at the end of season two, the new season will pick up where the Harrowgraves' siblings left off in the altered timeline. Now, uh, Reginald created the Sparrow Academy uh, in the altered timeline. And now he's a stylish and smart group that he put together of superheroes with mirrors of the Umbrella Academy. After a violent confrontation of the two groups, they must learn how to team up and defeat a new entity that threatens to destroy everything. Now, the logline for Netflix asked... Will they find a way back to their pre-apocalyptic lives? Or is this the new world about to be revealed more than just a hiccup in the timeline? Uh-oh. Now, it's very exciting, too, because in previous seasons, this was rated TV-14. They upgraded that to TVMA. Mm. So shit's about to get a lot more hardcore as it wasn't already enough. So, so you're saying it is prepared. a hiccup. There is a hiccup. Yeah, be prepared I'm, for that. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, this guy's killing it, too. Fresh from his Oscar nomination from Belfast, star Chiarn Hines is joining Netflix Spy drama series Treason. Hines will star alongside Olga Kuryelenko, Oana Chaplin, and Charlie Cox, our man Daredevil himself, in the six-part series, which comes from Oscar-nominated Bridge of Spies screenwriter Matt Carmen. The drama follows Adam Lawrence, trained and groomed by MI6, whose career seems set. But when the past catches up with him in the form of Kara, a Russian spy with whom he shares a complicated past, he's forced to question everything and everyone in his life. A triangular relationship forms between Kara, Adam, and his wife, Maddie. Three people who are trying to expose each other's secrets navigate political and diplomatic relationships while hanging on to their personal lives and those they've lost. Hines will, of course, play Sir Martin Angelus, the boss and mentor of Charlie Cox's Adam. Very cool. 
Yeah, that sounds intense and an awesome, and I just I'm I'm so happy for Charlie. For sure, man. For sure. Well, Gotham alum Corey Michael Smith and Gillian Jacobs and Corey Stoll yes. are set to as leads in the Netflix's Transatlantic, uh, and that's going to be a limited series set during the 1940s refugee crisis in Marseille, uh, France. Uh, the series is set in 1940 to 1941, and it is inspired by a true story of Vera and Fry. Mary Jane Gold and the Emergency Rescue Committee, hmm. and Julie Orger's night or <laughs> 2019 novel, The Flight of Portfolio. Now, risking their lives to help more than 2,000 refugees escape occupied France, including many artists on the Nazis' most wanted list, an international gang of young superheroes and their famous charges our charges accompany a villa that is on an edgy city where the threat of mortal danger gives away an unexpected collaborations hmm. and intense love affairs production on this thing which will be shot in english german and french is oh. underway in the title country for uh the release of 2023 so that's pretty epic yeah that's uh yeah i mean a lot of people going back to the well on the, the nazis in world war ii for sure i think it's i mean and rightfully so i mean it's prevalent today uh amazon jumping over to amazon not talking about their acquisition of mgm but their other biggie in the in the content war right now prime video unveiled the season three the boys this week its first look the latest look at the upcoming season which premieres june 3rd brings the suspense with possible powers for powers for carl urban's billy butcher and touts groovy moves with what seems to be multiple dance numbers the teaser also gave us a first look at our boy jen Vincent Eccles and Lori Holden from The Walking Dead, of course, who joined the cast as Soldier Boy and Crimson Countess, respectively. Of course, there's plenty of gore in store for the boys fans in the teaser. Season 3 episodes will be available each Friday following leading up to the season finale on July 8th. The 8-episode season will stream, of course, exclusively on Prime Video. Yeah, of course, man. A lot of people are excited for that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Succession's Alan Ruck is the latest addition to the cast of Amazon Studios film The Burial uh, which is currently in production he joins the ensemble cast includes Jamie Foxx Tommy Lee Jones Journey Smith and Doran Missick details with regarding the character that he is will be playing have not been disclosed of course the film follows a charismatic personal injury lawyer famous for his impressive track record and loudly unconventional approach who decides to help a funeral homeowner save his family business from a predatory corporate, uh, corporate uh, behemoth, behemoth, and a move to bring emotional renaissance, uh, renaissance to a dry contract law case. Now the lawyer digs up an unexpected and complex web of race, power, and oppression that forces everyone to examine long buried uh, prejudices. Uh, prejudices uh, that they didn't know that they even had. So that's a lot to unravel right there. Yeah. That's so. an intense cast, though. I For mean, sure. So that's going to be really good. Done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know who could get it done? Magic. 
of For course. Sure. And that's all you have to say. You know exactly who I'm talking about. And, and I just want to say the guy that's playing him on Winning Time on HBO is fucking awesome. For sure. He is doing a great job playing Magic Johnson. But we're talking about Apple, and Apple TV Plus has unveiled a trailer for They Call Me Magic, a four-part docuseries looking at the life and career of Irvin Magic Johnson that recently debuted at the South by Southwest Film Festival and will bow on the streamer April 22nd. The new series offers a rare glimpse into the incredible real-life story of Johnson, who left his mark on history through his work both on and off the court and continues to impact our culture today. It charts his journey from humble beginnings in Lansing, Michigan, to becoming the face of the Los Angeles Lakers and cementing himself as an all-time NBA legend, to changing the conversation around HIV and transforming into a successful entrepreneur and community activist. They Call Me Magic features never-before-seen interviews not only with Johnson and his family, but also with notables including Cookie Johnson, She's family. E.J. Johnson, Larry Bird, LL Cool J, Snoop, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, former President Barack Obama, Fred Stavely Jr., Dwayne Wade, Jerry West, and Michael Wilbin. That's okay. Yeah, I read an article that said he was inspired by uh, Michael Jordan's The Last Dance. So it makes sense. I mean, he's a legendary athlete, especially in the basketball community. I mean, coming on now, and I mean, especially bringing awareness to HIV and AIDS and all that stuff that was going down in that time. So I think it's uh, very important, especially when, you know, he came back to the NBA and nobody wanted to touch him. Like, I wonder if they're going to talk about that, too. I, I hope so. I hope because they dive deep into that shit. I hope so, too. And they, I hope they also dive deep into how he got it. Yeah. Being unfaithful to Cookie. And, yep. like, you know, you got to talk about that, too, which they appear that they will be doing in winning time. Like, clearly, sure. they are setting that up. Exactly. So, I don't know. Super excited, man. Super excited about that one. But I'm also super excited about our guest segment, yes. man. Hannah Herzik coming on the show to talk about the Batman. Yes. Oh, man. She's absolutely amazing. And someone that we've had on from over the pond. We were super excited because it's been a while since we had anyone over there. So, man, oh, man, you guys are going to love this interview. Oh, absolutely. She might indeed be. Well, no. No, I think she is indeed our first Croatian guest. I think like, so. That's yeah. amazing. But uh, listen, guys, she's so inspiring, though. Her story about how she got into it and everything is kind of funny when it, when she tells it. And um, wait until you hear her most embarrassing moment. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I, it might be our best most embarrassing moment yet. Facts. Um, plus, she just she tells such great stories about Matt Reeves and the experience of working on the Batman and how grateful she is and like all this amazing stuff. It, it's just a super awesome interview. Agreed, man. Agreed. Well, here she is. Hannah Herzik, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you tonight? I'm very good. Very well. How are you? Oh, you know, we're living the dream, living the dream. And we are super pumped to talk to you because uh, we have both seen the movie. And of course, we're talking about the biggest movie in the world right now, The Batman. Um, (laughs) Of which, I mean, for people who haven't seen it, somewhat spoiler here, you play a pretty integral role in the development of a certain Catwoman. So, you know, we're excited to talk to you about this because it's a pretty important plot point. Um, And we're we're super pumped to see how that all came together. (laughs) But what we like to do at first, though, is kind of do a little introduction for the listeners who might not be familiar with uh, your background and how you got started and everything. So let's start there. Was acting something that you always wanted? to do uh how did you kind of fall into that well anyone that's listening that's from east europe i think would know that if you're from east europe your parents don't want you to do the arts probably (laughs) don't want you to do don't want you to be an actor don't want you to be an artist don't want you to be any of those things so i never really considered it a career option 
until, I mean, I've always wanted to do it. I've always loved movies, but I thought it was just completely unrealistic. Um, there was no one around me sort of going into that or doing that. And then when I was 17, I just completely, I was doing so badly in school that I was just like, you know what? <laughs> Why don't I try to doing this thing? You know, when you're young and you're super confident and you think you're immortal and you have like these, this crazy adrenaline. So I decided to just go for it and I applied for a scholarship and I said, if I get the scholarship, I'll do acting. If I don't get it, I'll do something else like tattooing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, there you go. That, that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's a good thing though, right? When you're young, that is when you take the chances. That is when you take these crazy leaps because sometimes it does work out. And if it doesn't, what's the worst that happens? You go back and you do plan B, right? Yeah. At least you tried it. At least you don't grow up old and regretful and, that's yeah. right. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm curious, too, because, you know, a lot of actors get into it in different sorts of aspects. Did you start in theater first or was it always meant to be for, you know, film and television and short films and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Well, when I was little, I started by accident doing uh, like soap opera stuff, oh. which was completely accidental mm -hmm. uh, in Croatia. And I obviously I loved the uh, attention <laughs> as like a seven year old. Right. I loved the... <laughs> the pocket money and I loved the glamour of it. So I liked it from then. And then I started doing modeling and stuff. And then I did a little bit of theater, which I found so beautiful and so difficult. And I mean, when I studied, I studied for four years and it's theater is so, it's so incredible. Mm -hmm. um, but I never, and then after that, I just started doing film. I never, I never really, I would love to do theater for sure. But right, it just started, it's just sort of went to screen. Um, which it took me a while to get used to because like for theater acting, you can talk a lot with your hands and it's very big mm -hmm. and for screen acting, like I had to get so, I had to get rid of so many of my little like ticks and things that you could just, so, cause everything, it's so minuscule and they like zoom in on you and yeah. you can't, you can't get away with anything. You can't get away with, you know, I used to like bite my cheeks and it's like, you cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this sets up perfectly later on in the interview when we ask you about embarrassing moments. Oh, uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> So, so now you did a lot of indie work early on, right? You, you've been in some independent films uh, over in Europe. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I did. I started off just doing like little shorts and stuff. Um, basically. Uh, yeah. Random. Uh, I, I have this production company and we do like really weird music videos and yeah, just, <laughs> just sort of a camera with like five people and that's it kind of, and then a little bit bigger indies, short films, and then Batman. And then I got, another film after that which is like an indie yeah as well oh yeah. fantastic it's always nice to be able to express that creativity right even when it's a weird music video and i mean just being able to play with different camera movements or different editing styles and be able to bob and weave throughout all Definitely. of that and i mean you're obviously a creative person so what do you think about the entertainment industry interests you most do you love being in front of the camera the most or do you like a little bit of behind the scenes stuff or you know what what's your true passion I think my true passion has got to be, yeah, I like at this point in my life, it's got to be in front of the camera. I love, I love, I just love acting. I love, I love, I love getting notes. I like being a puppet, getting notes. I don't think I could be a director. Getting yeah. notes from the director and, and sort of seeing how you can work your way into a scene and seeing how you can change the other person you're working with or sort of how you can tell the story the best and how you can collaborate and work together. It's amazing when you start off in a scene and it's not working. Mm -hmm. And then just by like, but just by working with the director, you actually make something that works so well and you can see that difference. 
but I find, I don't know, I mean, the, the creative industries, the entertainment industry is so amazing. I mean, like, even, like, I think podcasting is so cool. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so cool. Well, like, I think. It's yeah, been huge like, for us. I can tell you that. It's been really good for us uh, as, as filmmakers because we've been able to establish a lot of connections throughout the entertainment industry because of the podcast, which when you're a filmmaker, it's all about connections, right? Um, and I liked that. I've ne Referring to the director as a puppeteer and the actors as puppets, I, I, I've never heard that before, but that's, that's a great analogy as to how that kind of works, pulling the strings and guiding you guys through where it's going. That, that's, yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if every actor would agree with me. I know, I know, many actors and and directors have their own different sort of uh, sort of perspective. But I live with a director, two of them, so that's that's kind of like how we work together. That's how I like working with people. I don't, I don't mind, um, I don't mind being a puppet. Yeah. No. <laughs> So talk about now, so because of that background and because of the starting in the, with or studying in the theater and then going into kind of indie stuff and music videos and stuff, talk about the differences in the in the scope of jumping on something like the Batman, which is like a gazillion dollar budget and, you know, massive crew and massive sets and everything. What was that like stepping into that world? Like it had to have been mind boggling, right? Yeah, it was mind boggling. I mean... To, to keep in mind that like before that I'd never had any like let's say I mean nothing even close to sort of get me trained or ready for that I had no you know in, right. in film school and all these shorts and it's like on short films you're literally also holding the boom while you're acting <laughs> right and like <laughs> you know you have to like go get a sandwich from the store next door and you have to it's so it's so different the scope of yeah, and like nothing, nothing could have prepared me for it. It was just mega, mega, mega. I mean, it's just like you drive into the studios and then you're there and then you're being ushered. And then like the the level of professionalism from everyone on that set from, and, and they're just, you're in the trailer and then they're putting on makeup and the costuming and everything's being prepared. And there's no, you don't feel rushed. It's like rather do things right. And, and it's, it's just amazing. And then when you're on the set, like you shoot until it's bright and there's no, it doesn't matter. You're not chasing the sun. You're not waiting for everything because they have a fake sun because they have fake. Right. Rather than like on, on Indies I've worked for, it's usually been like, like you have to, yeah, you sort of have to just rush or, or, or be like faster because time is money. Then, but then on, on things like the Batman, it's, it's very much like get the shot. That's, That's perfect. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you brought up makeup. So let's talk about probably the most amazing makeup transformation is Colin Farrell. I mean, yeah. did, did you be able to, were you able to see him on set and completely not recognize him? I mean, I, we got, in one of the scenes with the photographs, yep. where me and the, the mayor are leaving, he, he's in that scene. So, and that was actually quite a long time that we were there so yeah. i got to speak to him obviously i knew it was him in prosthetics and but honestly the dude was just it was just as if he was you know at a gas station filling up gas he was actually like talking completely normally yeah in his own <laughs> irish accent though. <laughs> <laughs> but just as the penguin his transformation is incredible and then you see him and he's so nice and talkative and 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 himself and optimistic and then he turns into this the penguin which is possibly the sickest one of the sickest villains in the batman Oh, for sure. Uh, right. For sure. I mean, I love the, but, the transformation they did with this one with like the um, the mobster aspect, because I love yeah. old time gangster films. And I love how this basically you were comparing it to like seven meets like the Godfather, all, the Godfather yeah. like all yeah. these different movies. And I love how like 
grounded this film is. It's so set in reality, you know, where we see all these other superhero movies that are just like, boom, explosions, outer space, all this stuff. But this, like, this could happen in real day life. Like, Batman could be in New York City fucking beating up motherfuckers. Like, you never know. (laughs) So talk about Matt Reeves a little bit and his approach because, uh, I mean, lifelong comic book fans here and and superhero, like, movies and stuff. And so while this is unlike any Batman film that's ever been done before, it's also a clear, in my opinion, love letter to the past Batmans. He's got little things in there that reference the other movies and the TV shows and, and like the different things. How was it like working with him and what was it approached? Did, could you tell he had like this passion for the character and for the story and for what he was trying to do? Yeah, 100%. I mean, as you say, it's, it's great that you, I, them, he, uh, Robert Pence and all these people, it's great that in the bottom of their hearts they're all comic book nerds <laughs> so, so the level of passion you're making a film like this to be a comic book nerd since you were like 12 or 10 and to have watched all the batmans and to be in love with the universe it really shows and for matt reeves he yeah what i really 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 like and respect about him is just just his level of commitment and his level of awe his level of awe and respect for what has come before Mm. and and his new vision of how to take that and make it because he knows what the audience wants and he knows what the audience doesn't want coming in from this they don't want like a dark knight 5.0 they want like this new thing when then this different side of him and this different world that is as you say very grounded and he's i think he's an amazing director once again he is so I think it's so important for directors to have like energy and 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 uh, passion on set and to be like upbeat. That's exactly what he is. And he'll come up to you and he'll tell you things. And he has he takes his time. He wants to get the shot right. So he'll tell you what he wants and he'll come and he'll talk to you and he'll set the scene and he'll he's just so you can tell he cares. You know this this project is a hundred percent literally from his womb it's like his child it's like you can tell every single detail is completely thought out i was filming the scene where i'm dead in the car i don't know if you yes. saw that oh scene. yeah oh yeah yes <laughs> but that scene is uh what it's on screen for a second i think i was in that car for eight hours <laughs> oh shit <laughs> those are the great stories right it's like people see it for a blink of the eye but no 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 i was there forever in that car like yeah, yeah. Was, which which is fantastic it's like yeah let's get it right like you're only gonna make this film once let's you know what like everyone's let's and I've, he's an amazing he's an amazing director i've already seen i mean before stepping into this i watched cloverfield and everything and i was like this guy is gonna have a great take on this and it is it's so funny because his films are quite like yeah, they are a bit emo, and then you meet him, and he's so happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but, you know, it it's a great point, though, about how it was eight hours in the car, right? And you only see it for a quick second. But yeah. that scene, and we kind of talked about this at the top of the interview, it's so integral to the transformation of Selena into who she becomes. And her whole thing is she's driven by the fact of what happened to you, your disappearance. And so that scene has to be perfect. While it's a really quick blink of the eye scene, it's that dramatic moment for Selena when that's her in the car and now I'm set. Now I'm going after this guy and, you know, kind of a thing. So to get it right was crucial. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. It was, it was like, I mean, and she, once again, she's like, let's do it. Let's do it. No matter if it's 20 takes, 30, whatever. And that's, that's just, yeah, the professionalism, the optimism of everyone on there. And it's much better. I mean, these films are basically like little, like tiny, like gemstones Mm -hmm. 
in like throughout history and people are going to go back and back and rewatch them like i i rewatched every single batman film so many times at this point you just you just do it's christmas time you watch it it's summertime you watch it you with your friends you so it's you might as well get it right that's right exactly <laughs> i mean we were talking about it they should re-release this thing more towards the oscar season so that it could be nominated because it's a beautiful film it, it really doesn't is. feel like three hours you feel like you're sitting there for a while but it does not feel like three hours the story flows very well the characters <laughs> all develop like perfection um so just everything about it is just very entertaining and i'm sure something that was very fun and very entertaining for you was working with zoe kravitz we're huge fans of hers we were watching high fidelity before this project yeah yeah yeah. she's just like such a badass what was it like being on (laughs) set with her she is such a badass and you're like you're like is she a badass in real life she's a badass in real life yes She's like, I think like, like even now as I'm talking about her, I'm like blushing. She is literally the coolest and prettiest person I've ever met in my right. entire life. You're just like, yeah. <laughs> I think for the first two seconds, I wasn't, like, I was being like super neaky and like nerdy about it. But um, she's amazing. She, we were, we were there for a while and we were talking about acting and then we would have a lot of time between takes. And my favorite part of working with her was that we would sit, we sat by the radiator when we had to do this long period of waiting for them to see, like do the watch through the tape. And it was just me and her, we were sitting and we talked about literally everything for two hours. Astrology, you know, ascending signs, Coney Islands, then New York versus London, then all the delis (laughs) and like, you know, just everything, 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 dogs, cats, rain, blah. And she's just, she's so down to earth. She's so committed to acting. She's an amazing actress. Like the way she gets into character, she'll go from being like, this like talking to somebody to them being in position to then like she really really thinks out every single every single movement that she's making she's and she's very involved like she thought she thought to make her nails look cat-like it was her idea and she brings all these different ideas to her character even when she was talking to the director she was like well maybe she would do this or maybe she would do that and it's so nice seeing seeing someone she's basically puppeteering herself (laughs) right 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 (laughs) and so like what a learning experience to be on the set with somebody like that right somebody like like yourself that's like this is my first huge massive film and i'm kind of working my way up so to be able to spend some time like that and get to learn from that is just amazing and even more so to realize that even when you get to somewhere like there's a stature of like zoe kravitz or a rock they're just people they're just normal people like you said we're having a conversation we're talking about coney island and we're talking about dogs like you you know it's so good to hear that that you know as professional as they are and as gifted as they are they're just people like everybody else this is just their job right so yeah they just want to do what they want to do and they want to finish their film and and i mean i think like people like her and and everyone in that film it's like they're in that film because they're so amazing (laughs) because they've really like perfected their craft and they're and they're so committed to it and they're so like yeah she i mean she's definitely my favorite catwoman ever (laughs) and and you are in that movie also for those very reasons i mean as we've discussed and as we've uh, if we talked about matt reeves is very much a passionate guy towards this project it's been a lifelong project of his he was so you know when the casting process started he was very specific they were very like you have to be this you have to be this to get so kudos to you because obviously for you to get into this film and and the things that like you were talking about you obviously impressed matt reeves you obviously were the person for his passion project so congratulations that says a lot about your skill and where you're headed in this industry 
<laughs> you're making me blush <laughs> no but like to be completely honest with you like I because I didn't get to read the whole script right so I just knew that like we were best friends and like that like me and her like that kind of story but basically because I I wrapped filming last February mm-hmm. and this came out now so a year for an entire year because I had no idea what the script was saying I was like oh my god I'm gonna get cut They've definitely cut me. I'm gonna get cut. <laughs> no. gonna get, like, for one year. For right. one year. And then I watched the movie and I was like, okay, so it's like a it's like a it's a big part of the script, so maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But for a year, like I was like, <laughs> not only do you have to keep the whole thing secret, but you have to wonder the whole time whether you're hitting the cutting room floor. That's kinda like, yeah. That's some stress. <laughs> That's fun, man. That's fun. Well, something that we really pride ourselves on and something that we've really been trying to gear more towards our interviews are talking about mental health and helping the up and comers break into the entertainment industry. So with being in an industry full of we don't like to say rejection, but we like to say selection, I guess, because sometimes you're not the right person for the role. What's it like being in an industry for selection when trying to balance a sane mental health and trying not to get yourself down. Mm. Mm. That's really dope, by the way, that you guys are focusing on that. Yeah, I really like that. Um, Thank you. That's, yeah, that's so important to talk about. I mean, I think they they definitely don't really touch upon that when you go to drama school. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like you you get pushed out. And I mean, obviously it's like a cliche as old as time. It's like starving actor, starving actor. We know that from other films and TV shows. I mean, like, I have a two-pronged approach to it. I think I think if you love anything, such as, as any kind of art, like, you really have to love it, I think, to do it, because you, it's like it's like with anything, you have to believe in yourself, and it's it's very much like, it's so, it's such a collaborative job acting that you really do need other people uh, to do it but whether whether that's making your own thing or getting cast in something or you know it's it's a mixed bag and it's it's good if you're open to as much as possible mm-hmm. um but yeah the selection process is continuous and it's all a lot and i think it's really good to make sure you're good with yourself and make sure you have like a good um like group of people around you you know people who who are they don't necessarily have to be actors, but people who like get it, people who get, right. you know, who help you understand your worth and are also sort of not trying to put all of your worth in like um, financial brackets right. or like whether you have a mortgage. I think it's important to be surrounded by people who who love you for you. It's important to work on your craft, just like go go to acting classes and remember why you love it. And then if you really love it, then yeah, yeah, then no matter, no, no amount of selection is going to, is it, should should hurt you because there's you know there's always all it takes is one person to be like oh that's the person i want from my film and you know it can happen after one year or five years or seven years as there's so many stories out there mm-hmm. um of people starting to get selected when they're 40 and yeah i mean but you have to you have to figure out if you want to do it <laughs> that's right exactly that's right. we really appreciate that because like i said this podcast is for helping the up and comers trying to break into the entertainment industry whether that be because we have an industry news segment as well so we give them all the latest industry news that's going down in hollywood actors being attached uh, to projects you know shows being canceled and different things that are being presented to studios things like that and then of course our guest segment which leaves a little piece of advice and story about how other people broke into the entertainment industry and then you know the back half just like having fun but yeah i mean i think that's very important because we've had a lot of people come on and say that you have to have a good group of people around Mm -hmm. you 
to continue moving forward because if you isolate yourself and you're alone, if that time of selection, as we like to say, comes and you're not that selection, then it beats you up and it eats you out inside. So it's mm-hmm. just just very important to be mentally sane and be able to, you know, continue moving forward. Be like, I didn't get that one. Well, it's on to the next one. You know, it's just all mm-hmm. about branding yourself and presenting yourself in the light of, you know, it is a job and we just got to continue moving forward. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's like with directors, you know, getting their pitches not selected or yep. whatever i mean sometimes i think acting is like you know it's kind of like speed dating but no one tells you you have spinach in your teeth <laughs> yes like, oh, i love that i love that that's great <laughs> why am i not getting selected? why am i not and then you're just like and then you don't even know it's that and you're just like oh my god maybe it's my hair maybe it's my this maybe it's my that and at the end of the day like some person's gonna love you even if you have spinach in your teeth. That's, <laughs> yes that is a t-shirt acting yeah. is like spinach in your teeth that's right <laughs> best analogies ever by yeah, a guest so seriously. far though for sure you, you are killing it with the analogies <laughs> all right so and i'm like oh my god <laughs> you know <laughs> So let's talk about let, let's talk about it because everybody has one, right? Every, everybody's got a story. What is so far in your career your most embarrassing moment on on stage? It can be back in school, it can be back at like on the film set of Batman or just where what's your most embarrassing moment so far? <laughs> um I think I'm not going to I'm not going to name what it was for, but it ended up well. Okay. But I'm pretty sure because uh, I had a Zoom audition mm-hmm. um, a year ago or something. This is just this is the only one off the top of my head. I'm sure I've been in a million awkward situations. <laughs> it follows me like this aura of, of awkward situations. But basically, I had this Zoom audition. I was in a dress because it made sense for the character. And I 1,500% flashed the oh. entire... Um, <laughs> oh, no. Like, director, casting director, everyone who was on the Zoom. 1,000%. <laughs> and... I, I knew it because they were like, because we went from having a really flowy conversation to having a, because I had like, I think I crossed my legs. It was like a, it was like a, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. Your legs and it's just, you don't realize the, ca- yeah, yeah, yeah. So the conversation was awkward. Um, then it smoothened out and then ended up okay. But yeah, I was like, I, I don't know. You're like shit. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, yeah, all kinds of things there. You know what? What are they thinking now? Are they thinking I'm attempting this I did on, on purpose? purpose. Exactly. Oh, yeah, no. a whole basic instinct move. Like what is exactly, going on? Exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. luckily I was wearing. I was wearing underwear, which is good, and I was also wearing nice underwear. Like imagine if I had holes. Imagine if it was like SpongeBob. Imagine if it was like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You had some big granny panty SpongeBob pants yeah. on. That would have been. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> Oh well, goodness. I love the humor, though, that you were able to, like, say, hey, okay, that was awful, but it worked out, and it was all good, and I think it says yeah. a lot for you and for them that they were able then, to just, yeah. yeah, to look past that and go, <laughs> no pun intended, look past that and say, okay, let's, this is a good audition. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> good story, yeah. good story. Oh, my goodness, that is so freaking hilarious. Something else we like doing at the end of our interviews is asking what shows and or Obviously, movies are you watching right now? Is there something that you are just obsessed with and that are binging? Yes, I think I'm like eighty uh, percent of the population right now. I'm binging Euphoria. Yes, <laughs> it's awesome, right? This guy hasn't oh started season God. two. This guy has uh, not started. I haven't season started two. season two yet. I know, I know. Look at that. <laughs> has it all been? Has it all been spoiled for you? 
Do you know uh, how it no, is? no, I, I've been doing really well with kind of staying away from everything. So I've been like hushing Whoa. him up, like you yeah. know. It's Whoa. so it's so hard not to talk about it. I know. It's so hard not to talk about it. Uh, and you also download every single song onto your Spotify. Oh, and it's, right. Yeah, yeah, the music yeah, yeah. is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's just, everything. Without doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I do my hair based on it, my makeup based on it. I love Euphoria. I've been watching. Yesterday I watched Black Hawk Down. I think tonight I'm going to watch Red Rocket, the new. Uh, yeah. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, no, haven't seen it yet, but that's good. It's uh, it's on the list to watch for sure. Yeah, we're going. We're going on the. Um, we're trying to watch all the Oscar nominated films before the Oscars. Yeah, so I mean, we're pretty close. Yeah, what have you seen? Uh, basically almost all of the best picture awards, basically almost all of the, um, best actor, best actor and best actress. Obviously, the most that we enjoyed is Coda. Coda is absolutely amazing. If you haven't seen that one, Uh, laugh, you'll cry, like all the emotions, you'll get it in this film. It's, Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And there's a couple of really good short films too, that we've watched. Uh, Audible is really good about a all deaf football team and how they struggle to get through. And and yeah, it's really good. So, um, but yeah, we're just hammering through. We do a little watch party and we award ourselves a little golden Funko. So, So we try we try to watch all of them, you know, and we go live with the podcast thing with our watch party. So yeah, it's fun. Did you guys, did you guys watch uh, is drive my car? Oh yeah, drive my car. That's yeah. uh, that's up on the. We were just talking about because it it's long, like like the Batman. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very long yeah. film, and and it's yeah. subtitled, and so you know you got to get ready to watch that one. You got to be ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so we're perfect. pumped though. That look, the trailer looks amazing. The cinematography on that one is just beautiful. Yeah, so we're we're pumped to watch that one too. Definitely. But yeah. Listen, thank you so much. I'm glad we were able to work out the times because yes. we really yeah. wanted to talk to you. You're amazing. Open invite anytime you ever want to come back on the podcast we will make it happen yes if you just want to talk about something we got you if you want to promote anything we got you um we do a top five segment at the end of each of our episodes this week it is top five board games (laughs) um you know and just different things like that mostly entertainment related but this week top five board games because we like to show our personality and you know our backgrounds and where to come our come from and that's so dope yeah we like it we like it but uh what we like to do is have you obviously leave your social media handles for all of our listeners so they can follow you uh yeah so it's uh <laughs> it's it's difficult to spell uh it's h-a-n-a hannah and then it's h-r-z-i-c so there's one vowel in that whole thing <laughs> got <Gotcha>. you <laughs> all right we will make sure we get that right so that everybody can follow you yes cause... well be sure to type it out too so that they know yes. they'll know yes Amazing. Wow. Thank you, so you have just been an absolute gem like yeah yeah just uh, absolute so much fun to talk to and uh yeah we can't wait to I, you. I, I you said you'd be a tattoo artist so now i'm curious about your art and what you do as far as, far as the <laughs> art goes we'll have to have you oh, come yes. back on and talk about that <laughs> i'll give you a tattoo next time Yes. Hey, I'm all about that. That's cool. I draw too. I sketch also. So yeah, that'd be awesome. We can compare compare notes. You know, I'm, I don't know if you'd want to trust me with a needle, but hell, I'll give you one too. It'll be fine. <laughs> I want that ant. I want that ant tattoo. Yes, totally. We yes. can totally do that. And you can give us our ant tattoos. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, listen, have a great rest of the night and thank you, you so too. much. And uh, just, we can't wait to have you back on and continue to success with the career because we know you're going to do big and huge things <laughs> thank you guys so much for everything thank you so much of no course problem. we'll be talking to you later
Yeah, you too. Bye. Right, Have a nice day. All right. Bye bye. Oh my goodness. Wow. That was absolutely amazing. Yes. Biggest film in the world with the most passionate person in the world. I mean, Hannah was just awesome. I mean, she was amazing. She's so humble and yet so aware of the situation and yeah. what she's in and what's going on in the career and just like and great advice. Yeah. I mean, she she's got it going on. She knows how to do it and uh, I think that's going to help a lot of people also trying to get into the industry to be inspired by that. And I think so too, wow. man. I mean, just a whole bunch to unwrap there. A lot of up and coming can really take a lot of pieces of advice from this interview. You are going to love it. Take the leap. Take the leap. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Thank you again, Hannah, for coming on the show. All right. Now it is time for the top five segment, man. And this week it is top five favorite video games. <laughs> again, taking it just like back to childhood, man. I'm I... telling you. And this one definitively shows the age difference <laughs> In us for sure. Oh yeah, man. But I mean, this one there was no chance we were putting the same game on there. No. That it just was not gonna happen. I know but. it's so freaking funny. <laughs> I love it. But you know, with the filmmaker aspect in our lives and the storytelling, my number five comes to you guys as Red Dead Redemption Two. Mm. It's a classic Western game, very open world, very storytelling. You can either do the main missions or you know go off and do the side missions and it's very much like 1883-esque where it's like this group of cowboy gang and they're like they're going into different cities and they're kind of outlaws robbing banks and trains and all this different things but the graphics on this thing coming from rockstar games i just think they did an amazing job so that's why number five for me is red dead redemption 2 yeah absolutely well my number five was everybody's favorite barrel jumper uh <laughs> i'm talking of course about our man trying to jump barrels to save his princess from the giant ape known as Donkey Kong. Uh, and Donkey Kong is my number five. I mean, I'm not even going to lie to you. I spent hours and hours and hours playing this shit. And uh, sometimes it was easy and sometimes not so easy. But, I mean, who doesn't love the idea of, like, taking down a giant ape exactly. and saving your princess? Damn it. <laughs> I have a theme on mine. Uh, well, at least for five and four. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, number five for me, Donkey Kong. That's so freaking funny. I love it. Uh, number four for me goes to Saints Road 2. Really, the the whole series in general is a good one. Like, but... The first and the second one are where it really starts to shine because it's kind of like GTA but in a different aspect where you're actually like in a gang. It's basically GTA San Andreas but it – like all these different things. I think it's – you know, it was doing something different that GTA wasn't doing. I thought that was very special. It was telling a very different kind of story than what Rockstar Games was doing with GTA. So it's very, you know, it's fun. And that's what video games are all about. So that's why number four for me is Saints Row 2. Well, there you go. There you go. My number four is yet another one about a man trying to save his woman. <laughs> this time not from a giant ape, but from a fucking giant dragon. From a dragon. I'm talking about Dragon's Lair, of course, where my man in his armor and his sh- uh, shield and his sword tries to save his princess from a dragon. Um, This is very much like now what you see and what you so much play the role playing game where you're taking your guy through this journey on a mission trying to save you know his woman accumulating points accumulating health and kind of doing his thing it's like old school of it um and i would literally like i first started playing this one at the arcade because it was an arcade game and then they had a home version of it but yeah i put a lot of money in that machine to try yeah. to save that bitch and i can say 
I never did. <laughs> never that dragon her. motherfucking killed me every time. Home in in the arcade, and I fucking hate you. But I loved the game, so number four for me, Dragon's Lair. That's absolutely hilarious. Well, number three, mine also has dragons in it. This is very Game of Thrones-esque, and we're talking about Skyrim. Bethesda yes. Skyrim. It's so fun. It's such an open-world game where you can choose your race. You could be like a lizard motherfucker you can be like a, just a regular person you could be a wizard you could be like a warrior like all these different things that i feel like you know that take you back to that period in time it was, yes. it was right after i uh, watched game of thrones all the way through that i played this bethesda had a beautiful open world game that i think carried on to elden ring which is out right now uh that a lot of people are playing but i mean you got to go back to the original the original skyrim so that's why it's on my list for number three well okay then yeah all right my number three is uh, taking it old school. Very, uh, very. My number three is John Madden football. Yes, I didn't call it Madden Explain. because yeah, it got in year one, guys, year one, very first game, it was John Madden football, <laughs> which now, of course, we know is just Madden whatever version, right? Madden 22, Madden whatever. But John Madden football. Uh, absolutely, by far, one of my favorite video games of all time. My brother and I would play this relentlessly. My brother and I and friends would play this relentlessly. Um, my favorite is when we would do Legends because I would be the Cowboys playing the Cowboys um, with my brother, of course, picking the Cowboys, as you guys know, our favorite team. Um Really did just love this game, though. We were football players. We loved football. It was our lives in back then. and like So being able to have such an awesome game. And back then, it was still the leader in graphics and like, oh, my God, this looks so real. Now it looks like a fucking old-school Coleco game yeah, or right. something. But uh, it was amazing. And, and it was some of the best memories of my life playing that game with my brother. Um, so number three for me, John Madden Football. Nice, man. Really good. Uh, number four, no, two. Where are we at? Yeah, number two. Two, two for me is Mafia 3. Oh. Now, this one, of course, you guys know I love the gangster stuff, but this one was very special because it's set right after the Vietnam War. You play as a veteran who just comes back to New Orleans. It's set in New Orleans, and you basically befriend these three different gangs and play them against each other and you get to kind of choose your own storyline but i think it's very special because they have a baby in this if you've seen supernatural <laughs> they have a baby and that's the car you drive and it's just super badass but i'm sure you guys are seeing the trend on my list where it's very story driven and but that's what it's all about i love a good story so that's why number two for me is mafia three well there you go there you go my number two I'm just going to say, I was legend. I was Buster Douglas before Buster Douglas. What am I talking about? I knocked Mike Tyson the fuck out. I'm, of course, talking about Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, which at first was just Punch-Out, right? And the big baddie was, I don't even remember who the fucking big baddie was. But when Mike Tyson became the badass that we all love, you know, they, of course, like capitalized on it and they put him on there and it was Mike Tyson was the big baddie that you had to take out. Well, you know, little guy, you know, but I learned the key. I learned the secret and there's a tell with Mike and once you knew it, you could take him down, and I had the best time of my life knocking Mike Tyson out more times than I can count. In real life, never going to fucking happen, but in that video game, I was a badass motherfucker. <laughs> I was, of course, a huge Mike Tyson fan in that. I mean, he was the single best fighter I've ever seen in my life at that point, and still is in my opinion, and just being able to fight him... <laughs> 
and I would play, you know, Will Smith, and you know, I thought I could beat Mike Tyson, and I was just like the whole thing. It was just like a whole experience for me. <laughs> it's like Mike Tyson's punch out. Some like crazy ass drunken moments in my life when I was beating the shit out of Mike Tyson, listening to Will Smith, and drinking beer. That is that hilarious. Like, <laughs> my number two. Oh, Mike Tyson's punch out. That's hilarious. <laughs> Probably number one for me goes back to the early days of PlayStation 2 and Rockstar Games. You see the trend with uh, that graphic design company. I mean, I love Rockstar. They put out some great shit. Uh, Is Bully. Now, basically, this one is about a kid who gets sent to a boarding school, Mm. and he's basically an outcast. No, None of the groups want to fuck with him, basically. Because he's a bully. No, he actually (laughs) saves the kids from being bullied. So, yeah, I mean, it's so fun because, one – you get to attend classes. You get to pass classes. I always thought that was kind of fun. And you get to uh, join – not really join, but uh, associate yourself with all the different groups around the school, whether that be like the preppies, the greasers, the nerds, the jocks, all these different people. And you get to go to in this town where there's like a carnival. You get a moped, like all this different <laughs> stuff. It's really fun, man. And you get to like blackmail your teachers. So like for Emily like, in Paris all of a sudden? You get a moped. It's so <laughs> fun, man. And they're talking about releasing a second one, and I really hope they do. But it was just such a fun game. It's one of those where I replayed over and over because I love the storyline so much. There you go. But so that's why number one for me is Bully, and let's hope they come out with a second one. Well, my number one, I don't even have to say it. All I have to do is do the opening. I'm, of course, fucking talking about Pac-Man. It's like the most epic video game ever. If you haven't heard of it, bullshit. You've heard of it. Everybody has. It's still around today. Uh, it's it's made its way onto every video platform possible, video game platform possible. Um, I have it on my phone. Uh, exactly. Everybody, it's still, it, the, it's a mainstay in video games like it's never gonna go away um i of course played it obviously in the arcade first and then it made it way made its way into those table arcades at like pizza hut yeah. and miss pac-man and then everybody's like fucking trying to do it then of course it made its way home on atari which was like a really weird version because it sounded different it was all like bam, 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 bam. it was like really fucking weird it's sound. not the same it's not the same this is not pac-man like you can't get the sound right but uh, but i still played the shit out of it on atari um so uh, yeah i mean pac Man, who doesn't like the idea of chasing those fucking ghosts down? You had right. to get real, like, fucking, you had to be real, the, the eye-hand coordination, because sometimes those ghosts were fucking, you had to make a fucking quick U-turn, like, fuck, oh, Trying shit! to get the chairs, go, no, man. Whoa, whoa, yeah, because it's all about, you can, of course, you can eat all the dots, but if you eat all the dots and don't get the fucking cherries, what's the point? What's the point? So, I mean, you know, sometimes you had to be like, whoa, get the cherry and get the fuck out! And like, yeah, I mean, just... Pac-Man. <laughs> That's a shirt. Get the cherry and get the fuck out. Exactly. That could be mistaken for so many different things. It's Pac-Man. I'm talking about Pac-Man. I thought Pac-Man was very interesting too because like it learns like your strategy. Oh, where it does. it thinks you're going to go. I think that's special to something that, you know – not a lot of games do that, so I think, you it's know. It's like one of the early AIs. Yeah, seriously. Where it absolutely learned your, those ghosts knew where you were fucking going, and yeah. you had to change your shit up. Well, especially, like, you know, when you go out one side, and you, like, try to come in the other side. Like, and the ghost the, is there yeah, now? Like, like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. They <laughs> yeah. try to trap you, box you in. But See? It's a good game. Who doesn't love Pac-Man? That's all right. Exactly. Saying. But, yes, that is our top five video games. We want to know your top five video games. Be sure to add us on Twitter Instagram, yes. YouTube, all the good places. We love the fan interaction. That's what it's all about, man. That's Hell what yeah, it's all it is. about. Uh, now heading over to the box office recap. Of course, 
I'm Vengeance is still number one. Come on now. It came in at number one with 66.5 million. Number and two. Newsflash, it's going to be our number one next week because it, it killed the box office again this weekend. Exactly. Number two was Uncharted with 9.2 million. Number three was Behind the Scenes Permissions to Dance on Stage. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing it's this. You know, the um, BTS, BTS, yeah, okay. the, the band or sure. whatever. I guess they have their own thing going out. Cool, cool beans, I guess. <laughs> uh, number four was Dog, the one with Channing Tatum, with 5.2 million. Number five was Spider Man No Way Home with 4 million. Tom Holland still killing it, still killing it, man. New movies that are coming out this week is X, uh, you got Uma, we got The Outfit, Jujitsu Kinson, the movie. Jiu-Jitsu Kainson Zero, the movie. I'm yeah. sorry. Which is number two. It mm. came in behind Batman. Mm. Never even fucking heard of it. Yeah. Like, it's number two at the box office. Now. Exactly, man. So many exciting things. And you guys know movies you can still go see are Death on the Nile, uh, Raid Shaham, whatever the fuck that is, <laughs> uh, Sing 2, Jackass Forever, Scream, and Select Theaters. That one's actually on a streamer now if you want to check that one out. I think that's on... Either HBO Max or Paramount Plus. Yeah. Um, and you guys know we love the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment because we use this thing every single week to, you know, this is our news source. We don't watch fucking CNN. Well, we do. But we look at IMDb Pro way more than all the other shit. So be sure to subscribe to that. It's definitely worth the price if you're an up-and-comer trying to break into it. Uh, the Top Trending movie is, of course, The Batman. Uh, TV show is Pieces of Her. Never even heard of that one, too be honest with you it must be new and the top trending tv star is, or the top trending star in general is zoe kravitz of course of course which we had a great story about like you know i mean hannah shared a great story about uh, talking about you know life exactly man <laughs> it's great it's really freaking good well guys thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 189 of inside the crazy am farm we got to thank our guest hannah herzik for coming on the show yes. once again be sure to follow her on instagram at hannah herzik and be sure sure to follow us on social media myself at jlo fantastic and crazy ant guy 1970 and of course we have social media platforms for the company and the podcast at crazy ant media and at it podcast and you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast and i'm talking about anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, podbean stitcher and so much more and if you're watching this video on youtube we appreciate you be yes. sure to hit a like button on the video subscribe to the channel and Ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of Crazy Ant Media. We want you to stay up to date. That's what it's all about. And be sure to visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media deer. There is a new uh, promo sale about to come out, so be sure to follow us at IDCAP Podcast and at Crazy Ant Media to stay up to date with those so you can get it for the right price, man. That's what it's all about. Um, But... For reflecting on the show, I got to say, it, it's always nice to go back and relive our childhood memories with the top five. Segment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's fun. Uh, the Obi-Wan controversy, I thought that was very interesting, uh, putting mm. their foot down with Kathleen Kennedy because fuck her. Um, but there's so many good things. I'm super excited about the new Marvel shows that are coming out. Oh, yeah. I mean, Moon Knight and Miss Ma- uh, Maisel. Uh, Ms. Marvel. There's so much good stuff, and I, I like this decision i like that marvel is starting to separate from disney and i mean could we possibly see kevin feige just being like 
I don't I don't even think he would have enough money though. Him and a whole bunch of other like trustees. Do you try th- to try to spin off and yeah. buy it out from. Uh, mm. I don't know. Disney never let that happen. No, that's, I don't think that's their cash cow uh, yeah. at this point, exactly. man. Exactly. They would ask happen. for an unbelievable number that I mean, you know. What they should do, and he probably doesn't want it after the shit show that this last year has been. But they should just give it to fucking Feige. Exactly. Let him run the ship. Look at fucking Marvel Studios. Yep. Enough said. <laughs> If he did half of what he's done for Marvel Studios for the whole company itself, it'd be fucking gangbangers, man. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely I loved talking about the video games as well. Just really good memories with my brother there. And, uh, I mean, obviously all the Marvel stuff because I'm a huge fan. I really loved the interview. Yeah. I just I, – Hannah was a blast. I just love talking to fun, good people who love what they do and are just down to earth and everything. So she was amazing. For sure. Um, and just so humble and – you know, like the, 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 every time I think about the behind the scenes story, she's just so. I would never share that, but no. she shared that. It was so amazing that I she know. did that. She and was confident. She was. She confident. was, and it all worked out clearly. So you know, just yeah, I just really loved the whole show, man. Exactly, such a good one, such a good yeah. one. Come back next week for episode one ninety to get a little crazy. Yes, and you know, we love Theo. Oprah.